With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange. A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Dubai or not Dubai, that's one of the questions this week. Another is that of the January transfer window and what Celtic should be targeting between now and the end of the month. And we also preview Monday's match against Hibs as Celtic look to get the second half of the season off to a winning start. Thanks for tuning in to the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and this week I'm joined by Miff and Kenny as we discuss all things Celtic in this first week of 2021. Miff, it's not often we go nine days without a game for Celtic out with the international breaks and there's no such thing as a slow news week when it comes to Celtic. So what do you think of the latest rumblings following last week's Derby defeat? Oh, Tino, uh, the latest rumblings, um, I, I think the, the main rumblings really been Dubai. I don't I don't think, you know, there's there's been a few transfer rumours and if the latest to believe the only guy we've been consistently linked with <laughs> seems to have went elsewhere. But for me, the, the focus has really been on Dubai and I think there's there's different strands run through that. For me, they shouldn't have went, is my opinion, based on the current global situation with COVID-19. But I think a lot of people's ire at the trip is directed, if, if you remove that from it, I know it's hard to, but if you remove that from it, I think a lot of people are angry because the team have been playing poorly and that they went. I think removing the whole pandemic issue i don't think it's a problem that they went because that's what they always do and let's be honest it's produced results in previous seasons where they've come back and they've they've looked like a better team and they've looked a bit physically sharper so i've seen some comments around you know i've not been able to watch a team i've spent 600 quid in a season ticket and they're away to dubai i don't think that's you know you give your season ticket money we done it at the start in the hope the team would be successful because they've not been successful tying that in with stuff like trips to dubai and all that i, I don't really like that um, opinion personally uh, I don't think it's linked I think it's more around they shouldn't have went but I also think um, without going too political that Nicola Sturgeon raising the issue of Celtic travelling when the, the, the permission had been given prior to her increasing the restriction level I don't think that's very fair mm-hmm. the team travelled when they had been given permission to do so Yeah, I believe with the restriction level changing they should not have travelled but you know that's a, that that that's down that's down to the club. I don't think it reflects on the club very well. I see that Man United women's team. I think of they went to the wine. They've come out and basically apologised for going. We seem to be fairly fairly happy that that, that we've went. Yeah, we've, we've doubled down re- on it. Not remorseful. We're not remorseful. Yeah. That's 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 the word I was looking for. And as a funny thing, because the I think the club sought all the required permissions, albeit back on November the twelfth. A lot has changed globally since November the 12th yep. so just in general terms you know right or wrong legal or not legal it's just not a good look Kenny is it? It doesn't look great from a PR point of view now I know Nicola Sturgeon had, she had raised the issue of is it what what is the trip about is it R&R or, or is it a training camp 
the answer to that is probably a wee bit of both. Um, I think it, it, from looking at the pictures, it certainly seemed to start in the first days <laughs> at R&R. &R. And then from the pictures that have come out on Twitter, it seems to have turned into a very intense training session. Now, that may have been the plan from the start. We don't know that. But there is form for trying to turn things around on our Twitter pages sometimes. Uh, and I, in terms of whether we should be there or not, I don't have, I understand the the issues that, that fans have with it. I don't have a I don't have a, any huge particular issue with it. Could have been managed better from a PR point of view. Uh, and I know Kennedy came out and said that there is, you know, there's certain areas that they have in the hotel and they have different entrances and exits and all this sort of thing. From the pictures I seen it, it looked like they were mingling with other printers. But in in terms of whether we should be there or not, I don't have a, I don't have a great issue with it. Yeah, I'm similar. I thought it was poor form of. Uh, Olivia and Cham taking that photo of Bruni and Lenny having a pint by the, the poolside. I know he's not best pleased just now, but that was pretty poor. But I, I agree, and I'm, I'm much the same. Overall, you know, I don't think it's such a big thing. And if you went to an Ibrox last week, it's even less of a thing. But it just seems that we spoke last week about death by a thousand cuts and all these wee things that some some of the things Celtic can control and some are out with their control. But lots of wee things have happened this season and you could compile them all together in a wee scrapbook and this would just be another thing to add to the list. So definitely not a good look. The other way to look at it, as you mentioned, Kenny, is that in the last two seasons, Celtic have gone out there in December, January, refreshed, put in a good week's or maybe a bit longer than a week if they had the full winter break. But, a, you know, a good training session uh, or a few sessions and then come back refreshed and hit the ground running. So if they were to do that this time around, I think those complaints would disappear very quickly. If we go out against Hibs, for example, in the remainder of January and the remainder of the season and we're blowing teams away, nobody's got a problem with Dubai. So it's it's quite selective at times, isn't it? We've got form for it. We, we've done it before. We've done it on the back of a defeat to Rangers as well and it set us up well for the, the, the remainder of the season. I think we've raised the fitness issue before and it seems like it has been an, an intense training session, whether that's uh, off the back of bad PR or not, um, it seems like they have been worked hard out there, uh, I know Kennedy had spoke about things that they were able to do out there because of the weather, um, that they m maybe wouldn't get to do at Lennox Town, again I don't know if I really particularly buy into that either, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's worked before and um, we'll, we'll see We'll see how it, how it pans out. Yeah, Matthew mentioned fitness a couple of times in recent episodes, do you do you think this is a good idea to get some warm weather training? Possibly, might, might afford the manager some time to watch opposition videos when he's out there as well because I know he's not a big fan of that maybe previous games stuff like that so mm -hmm. based on what the online content has been shared through social media platforms you know it looks looks a ticket it looks like something that's a worthwhile exercise and as a fan you would want to see the players doing when they had a bit of downtime if you look at it for the a kind of more generalist view you know Hibs game's been put back to the Monday night but kerfuffle over that as well understandably Hibs weren't too, too chuffed about that so if you look at everything overall that's going on with the pandemic needing to move fixtures was it really needed did they really need to go the only way that in history as we look back at the end of, when when we look back at the end of the season is if we win every game <laughs> from out the end of the season is the only way that trip's got to be justified because mm -hmm. if we don't you've just got to say like you mentioned Tino that death by a thousand cuts season that this seems to have been all those wee marginal things that have just went against us mm -hmm. that is just going to be another one of those things when you review this season and go we think yeah yeah and maybe maybe just now today in the the days that follow the trip to dubai isn't the time to assess whether that's been worthwhile but we'll look at it in the the weeks ahead and we'll, we'll see if it's been valued i thought it was interesting kenny touched on the the celtic twitter charm offensive and every other tweet that came out <laughs> from wednesday onwards was 
Look at these players working very, very hard in this yes. very tough, hard training session and the the very good weather and very hard. The focus was on tum <laughs> like tumble and sorrow and all the ones that... The, the guys I, are untouchable just I, now. The, I, the guys <laughs> that yeah. are making the fans happy. And I, I quite enjoyed the one that was um, butter bag of bros and cones. Like that. I would expect that, lads. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'd expect that at a training session, so... It's the least you'd hope for. So, aside from Dubai, you know, and as I say, we'll, we'll work out if that's been justified or not in the weeks ahead. We're now very much in a, a January transfer window. Now, if you touched briefly on the, the one guy we've been linked with is our former loanee, uh, Philip Benkovic of Leicester fame. He's had one game on loan for Cardiff this month and that's not worked out. And I don't think Cardiff had any great shakes. Um, he's now back at Leicester and looking at his next option. A couple of days ago, the word seemed to be that he was all wrapped up and ready to come back to Celtic Park. And it now looks like he's going to head to Belgium. Another cut in that list of a thousand of them. It just seems, you know, I think John Kennedy confirmed we were in for him and now we're not. So further embarrassment. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yes, I do. I think that raises an interesting kind of conundrum around Celtic's transfer policy. And that being, that was a short-term signing. You know, Benkovic originally was a short-term signing, but also had we signed him, it would have probably only been a six-month deal. Is, is that where we're at as a club? I, I, have we looked at the fact that Julian ran into a post? Duffy has just been an unmitigated disaster. We all wanted it to work. It hasn't. You know, I assume he wanted it to work himself as well, but it just hasn't. So you're left with Aya, who's probably a better midfielder than he is a centre half, but he's been he's been very good this season. And Beaton, who gets himself sent off, and then young Stephen Welsh, who the manager's kinda already hung out to dry this season. It's no great, is it? So, you know, I would have thought as soon as Julian got taken off in that game, the club, as a professional run club, would have identified a target and already had it pretty much sewn up to come in and potentially play in the Hibs game, mm -hmm. as it stands, yeah, we have nothing. They've known since Julian took his injury, which was at the very end of December, that he wasn't going to feature anytime soon. He might not feature again this season. They're talking about three or four months out. So he was definitely out the picture. Beaton's now suspended. Duffy's you know, just not working. So it's Ayer plus A another. A another may well be El Hamid, who's not covered himself in glory no. by any stretch. Welsh may well be a good prospect and he's not, you know... Done, done much wrong when he's come in, but no. he's also not played much at all. So all of a sudden, at every point as a prisoner now, you can't drop anything. So you're going to see a young Welsh potentially t against Hibs to come in and... Tino's hanging on in there. He's hanging on. He's guy. hanging on in I there. Mean, I mean, if we're going to go on this 19-game winning <laughs> run that I've spoken <laughs> oh, about, oh. Just, um, just on the point of Duffy, though, he came home early for the back. I've seen that something to do with personal reasons or family reasons. No, nothing else come out since that? Well, I've seen a rumour about Notts Forest been in for him, so I, it might be a bit of something about nothing. It's hard to say, but Wait, I don't well, think he'll feature. Duffy, Duffy and McKenna at the back. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> did, did Kennedy not pretty much confirm that Duffy was going to stay? As well? Did he? I, I, we also said we were going to sign Benkovic and all those. So. <laughs> in so many words, I thought. We'll need to get John Kennedy on line too. He's featured far more uh, this afternoon than yeah. we thought he might have been, so he, he'll have some answers for us. But yeah, so defensively... <laughs> Not to be too dramatic, but it's a it's a mini crisis anyway in terms of, you know, every point's there to be played for and we're going in with a, what's definitely going to be some sort of makeshift defence against quite a pacey front line for Hibs. Martin Boyle certainly. Don't know about the guy Dodge. What, what like is he, the young lad, is a bit nippy enough. So we've already struggled against Hibs this season and we're, you know, we're up against them again. So that could be difficult uh, and we'll see what plays out. In terms of, you know, aside from the, the defensive woes, where else, Kenny, do you think we should be strengthening? If anywhere, you know, do you feel the squad's good enough and they've just not been performing or do you feel we need to bring in players in certain positions if we can? This I, th I think the squad is good enough. They're just not being coached well enough. If we're going to continue with the, with the diamond 
uh, which I think I think we will. I think it's worked pretty well over the last. Diamonds year. are forever, Kenny. <laughs> we've, we've spoke before about the the lack of options when it comes to replacing like like some McGregor and Christie. I would maybe like to see some energetic midfielders come in in the central areas. I know we are looking at players out wide, and, and obviously you need to adapt to different systems. So I, I would expect to see us go out and maybe try and sign at least one or two uh, wide men with look, Forrest is coming back which is going to be like a new signing uh, hopefully sooner rather than later and then you've got Mikey Johnson coming back as well but we still are light if we're going to go with a different formation uh, at any point in the season then we still are light out wide and I'd, I'd quite like to see us going strengthening that position um, yeah. It's interesting the way there is isn't it because all of a sudden we've, we've you know, mentioned before we've stumbled on this formation but it does seem to work pretty well but it definitely doesn't have width it's, it's a very narrow formation so Forrest we've spoken about Forrest in previous weeks but there's no doubt he's a, he's a big asset for Celtic and I'm a big big fan of Mikey Johnson but we touched on last week where do they fit if at all and also for bringing in other wide men is there a point in that Miff what do you think we need Baldus son's coping mechanism how poor Celtic's been by watching videos of the previous season's highlights you know what the Lazio games Cup fight, League Cup final, and things like that. And, and what becomes very apparent if you watch those games is how critical Forrest is to the success that we have. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, and I get that. I, I know that for general play. I know how frustrating he can be. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm acknowledging that. I'm not saying that isn't a thing. But when he does pick the right option, or he does do well, it invariably leads to a Celtic goal. So you, you saw in those, those games, in those highlights, two things were really noticeable to me were that um, Edward was firing, but Forrest was at the hub of most of the good things. Now, the diamond, I, I don't necessarily have too much an issue with Forrest playing within that because I think he, he works hard enough to be able to provide, you know, kind of like box-to-box cover as he, as he often does for, for a wide position. However, I don't think that's necessarily strength. He's obviously better with somebody sitting behind him where he can get out wide and then go at the go, go around the outside of the opposition um, defence. If we bring someone else in, that creates a challenge. The diamond creates a challenge for an actual wide player, such as Johnson. For example, I don't think Johnson could necessarily play in that position because he would, you know, he's best suited to being out there, cutting inside, you know, and, and basically just taking people on, which is what you want him to do. You don't want him to lose that. Who, who do we bring? We've been linked to Roberts. Roberts would apply to the Johnson category on that, even though you think maybe Roberts could play as a 10, but that would then push Turnbull out. And based on his form, I don't think he deserves to be. We seem to be perennially linked to be Christian Atsuf in Newcastle as well for some reason. I've, I've seen that a good past maybe two or three transfer windows, but clearly I, I don't think he wants to come. I think that's what the issue has been. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's nobody really outstanding. I know Cameron Harper and the youth assisted did a real good season, scored a couple of goals in the Glasgow Cup final, American youth internationalist. But again, when we had no wide players, I think he got maybe a bit, he got put on one game for about five or ten minutes. So mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be any pathway for him to the first team in the near future. Karamoko Dumbelli seems to have dropped completely off the radar despite featuring in, in Lennon's kind of short-term appointment in, when, when he first came. Strange, to be honest with you, what's happening in, in terms of how we're thinking about wide players. I'm not a huge fan of shoehorning Christie or McGregor in out there. So some natural width, if you want to call it that, should be a priority along with a centre-half. But again, we knew that. We, we knew that. You would have thought with the seriousness of the situation that Celtic would have wanted to get any business they were doing done early just so to give the fans something, at least a wee bit of hope, to give themselves a wee boost, you know, mm-hmm. a dressing room will get a boost if somebody comes back in early. As it stands, all we seem to have is one lost target. So again, talking about an own goal, mm-hmm. you know, a, a PR own goal, along with Dubai, to me, the fact that we've not had somebody to announce 
early on in the piece as as a major yeah. a major only. <clears throat> we spoke about announcing a new manager might be something that would galvanise the the fans, but certainly announcing a big signing would also have the same impact. It's also it's an interesting and maybe another negative of this ten in a row season, this ten in a row focus that youth just hasn't been given a chance. There's nobody banging the door down from the youth setup, but maybe it's just not been allowed. Lenny's obviously under extreme pressure, as with anybody who was in charge this season, to to win the league at all costs, and that doesn't allow for an experiment whether it be a Carmelco Dembele or a Cameron Harper or anyone else. But it is, it's a real, it's a real negative overall, the, the lack of guys coming through. We spoke about it, I think, on our pilot episode when Anton was here. And we spoke about the fact that out with Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, um, James Forrest, and maybe Mikey Johnson now, there's no, you know, and all the time Lennox Town has been in operation, there's no, you know, no more than, than four guys come through. Ah, there's been, I mean, there's been some fringe guys that have come through and, and done well for short periods and, and then left, but I, it's, it's not exactly the conveyor belt that we probably hoped it would have been. The other intriguing one, when you speak about youth, for me, and it's also closely related to transfers as well, would be Ewan Henderson, because mm -hmm. Ewan Henderson was man of the match in Rogers last game. That's, I was there, mother will nick that shide, and the, 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 we kicked out for them and they went, went through the shite wall. Region. You do this every week. Oh, you, you're the 30 I, things I have no idea. Aye, aye. Can you not remember? We were 2 0 up and we kicked the ball out. Their player was injured. They brought on a young striker oh, yeah, and stood boy, down in the corner. James flag. Scott. And they just picked up the boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. threw it down, and he caught and had a shot and they scored. Yeah. Um, it was a bit tetchy for a while. But um, in that game, Henderson was outstanding. He played number 10. In fact, he was part of the, that great goal that was scored the White Hearts as well. Remember the counter attacking goal was scored. And then he came on in the European game. So everybody's talking about, you know, Hazard and Sorrow and Turnbull. But Ewan Henderson's performance was equally as good. Yeah, done well. As as MDs that night and has not been seen since. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a young guy in a squad that's struggling and you've performed like that at that level, I mean, sure, you, you at least merit 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, just to see if you can still be in the groove and make something happen. And he's just been completely bombed without trace. So, again, I think that, that that's the thread of the season. I don't think he feels he can trust certain players, and that's why it took so long for Soro and Turnbull to come in the team initially. It's because it's just, it's all this... It's almost like we've created this pressure internally amongst our, ourselves and that's what's manifesting into this poor, and it's been poor, season that we've seen so far. Because yeah. the Scottish Cup, you need to link to last season, that's not this season really. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, you know, we talk about it from the outside looking in and the the obvious pressures that must be there. Can you possibly imagine the real pressure of actually being there? You know, being Lenny, being John Kennedy, being Gavin Strachan and the players, whether it be in team meetings or in their training sessions or whatever and, and all the the hype surrounding this season, it is a really, really intensified pressure. There's there's fans I know that have said that they wish the 10 in a row thing wasn't even a thing. It's hampered us as a club and, and, and in many ways we've gone backwards. Certainly in terms of youth development, it seems to you know be something that's stalled. And in terms of just bringing anybody through from the squad that's perhaps on the periphery. Like the Ryan Christie thing, Ryan Christie came good after looking like he was maybe on his way out of the club. There's no scope right now for another Ryan Christie because such is the, yep. the intensity around the club and it's it's maybe hampering a lot of guys development and as a club like at Olympic we we develop players they do well for two three seasons you know Dembele Van Dykes even Tierney they do well and then they move on and that's where we are at this moment in time we don't really have those big assets out with Edward who at the moment is is obviously struggling himself and you don't know what you know even just on Edward individually I wonder if the pressure he's under as a 10 in a row type pressure or it's just as a young guy looking for a big move type pressure maybe the 10 in a row isn't even a thing for him but he's clearly not at himself is he? I, I think that I think it's both hmm. I think it's both I think it, it's weighed heavily on him this season because he knows what's at stake he's came and he's bought into it but I also think there's an element, an element of him thinking you know where am I going next which is, which is natural he's probably thinking to himself I stay I help the team win 10 in a row and I go 
which is completely fine. Everybody would have said, aye, that's great. Mm-hmm. In many ways, that's what everybody wished uh, Kieran Tierney had done. That's why there's been so much ill feeling towards Kieran Tierney, which I, which I, I don't personally agree with, but you know, everybody's got their own opinion. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We had a chance in this transfer window to send a message that, okay, we've performed poorly. Or, sorry, we have a chance in this transfer window. It's not finished yet, so you can only give the club credit that they might actually pull a rabbit out of the hat. We could show... Or the team, the club could show the fans that they are actually planning for the long term, and that you know they're trying to invest and improve in the squad and identify the weak areas and do something about it, rectify it. But so far, you can't say it's, it's been too convincing, and that that for me is the most disappointing thing. It's absolute apathy. Mm. I mean, if you're a betting man, you wouldn't. Uh, you're saying the words enough, but I don't think you really believe the club are going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. You know, we've got they, they might three three weeks of the month left, and I'd I'd be amazed if they sign anybody you get excited about. They might bring in one or two guys, some project guys, some loanees, but oh, we love a project. <laughs> but there's not going to be, I don't think. And you know, I hate I hate the line about uh, such a difficult transfer window. Is it if you plan correctly and pay the money? Is it difficult because there's good players? across the globe and you can't tell me there's a number of them that wouldn't come in and improve what we're currently doing either for the here and now or at least into next season or beyond so I think it's a lazy there's, excuse there's no doubt a Czech under 19 striker playing the second division of the Belgian league that we're going to pay 3 million euros around about 2.5 million to 3 uh-huh. million for see him half a dozen times and then watch him go out on loan yep yeah we've seen that movie before. you mentioned Edward there and one of the interesting ones for me is probably our biggest bit of business or lack of business last year was keeping a hold of Edward but as as it stands now in January if someone if a, if a good enough offer came in for Edward I don't think there'd be too many fans that would be really upset if we if we let him go now. I, I think that's a, a great point and it's one for for you know stalling on for a few minutes because we've spoken about who we might like to get in but very interestingly who may leave in this window and Edward's the obvious one just to you two lads individually first first yourself Kenny how would you feel if he moves on say we get the I don't know 25 30 million you okay with it? Keeping in mind we're about to embark on this 19-game win and run. Yeah. Would I be okay with it? Probably yes now, as it stands where we are in the league. I think... Miff shakes his head, no, disgusted. No, no, no. <laughs> I just think his, his head... and, and don't, head. don't get me wrong. His, not Miff's head. Uh, very, very round. <laughs> his head is, is, is sort of gone and he, he's played well over the last four or five, five games, certainly, but with little to... Saying little to play for, and Tino keeps coming back saying we'll be ten a row, and uh, I just struggle to to uh, just, get on board with that. We've Tino, we've Tino B. If someone came in with a thirty million bid tomorrow for Edward, I would, I would, wouldn't be really upset if we, if we accepted it. Yeah, Math. Whilst it's no great, we've put ourselves in the position that we're in. If massive, if Tino, we had any hope at all of embarking on said run, it would need to involve Hudson Edward. He is tried and tested, proven. He's one of the few players we've paid really big money for. And we can't say we've not had the, the return he's of a, him. He's a club record signing, isn't he? Nine million? Uh, I would, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I wasn't overly enamoured when we paid that money for him to start, I'll be honest. But what we've had in return has been fairly phenomenal up to the start of this season, unfortunately. But I don't I don't think, I can't, it would be madness to sell. He, he, is, he is still and remains the absolute focal point of, everything that we do the fact that he's struggled so badly this season has been due to a combination of things i think i think just personally you know he's he's been a bit unsettled i dare say there's been things going on in the background during the summer where he most likely could have been away has been you know talked into staying by whom i wouldn't know i think then stuff's happened clearly happened in the dressing room that's had a negative effect on the entire team not just odds and edward i don't think it's fair 
The problem for Edward is he was so good last season. And, I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. This season, he's just failed to hit those heights. So, naturally, you question that. It's coincided with the whole team playing poorly. However, that just those last few games, you've seen wee sparks of what can happen when him and Griffiths are allowed to play together. And just referring, I'm allowed to mention another podcast on here. You know, sorry. Go for broke. We'll, um, we'll edit it out. Yeah, you can edit, it, edit it out. But I watched or listened to Lee Griffiths' Open Goal mm-hmm. podcast that he'd done with Simon Ferry during lockdown. And Simon Ferry asked him, who's your best partner? Now, bear in mind, he's played with a lot of good players. And he immediately said, what's an Edward? Now, that was Lee Griffiths saying that. No, Edward saying that with Griffiths, but Griffiths saying that about Edward. And the type of striker Griffiths is, I think that's quite telling for him to have said that about Edward. That, and, and you've already seen just physically the reaction in Edward by playing in the same team as Griffiths. It seems to have lifted, lifted away. <laughs> Please edit that out. <laughs> um, it's lifted away off his shoulders and he is able to play in a slightly different way. What, what was happening up until that point was there was generally four or five defenders running. The ball was getting fizzed into his feet and we were hoping that he could make something happen. And generally he was getting by two of them, but then the third was getting him mm-hmm. or the fourth. You know, you can see Griffiths makes those runs down the sides and it frees up room for Edward and Edward Cole loves it. Yeah. What's interesting as well is that I think, you know, just based on what we all see on social media and otherwise, that the majority of Celtic fans seem to have given up on the 10. I don't know if yes, you think that's fair enough, I but I think that, that seem, yeah. seems to be the feeling. But despite that, can you imagine the uproar if they sell odds in Edward? Well, still a glimmer of hope. Precisely. So as much, it, 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 I suppose it would depend on the figure, Kenny, wouldn't it? You know, if, if, if a crazy figure comes in, I mean 30 plus, then it'd be hard to knock it back in this current climate and based on his current form. But also that's the juggling act that, you know, Peter Lowell has to face in terms of, do you do that? Do you cash in? Or do you say, well, there's still that chunk of light that we could possibly, I agree, if, if we're going to do anything, if we're going to go on a run and potentially, you know, claw this back somehow, Odds Edward has to be a part of it. And if he's, you know, fit and fine and do well, there's a chance. If he's out the equation, Griffiths is less potent. And then you're looking at guys like Ayeti and Klamala coming in to, to drive you to the 10. Can you imagine? So I think just on that basis alone, you, you can see why there's there's opinions either way. And, and the opinion that you have, Kenny, I'm sure shared by many fans who would say, now's the time to cash in your chips. But I just think... No, no, that, I, th- I think he, he goes in the summer anyway. I think if we hold on to him now, I, th- I think there's a good chance that we sell him in the summer. Do you know mm. what? Just to be fair to Kenny, you're right in that point you've made, but I also think me and Kenny having two different opinions probably reflective of the Celtic fans. I think you'd probably find most people be 50-50. I don't necessarily think, you know, either's a minority kind of opinion. I think it's a divisive issue because a lot of people look at it and go, head's gone. That is proof as to why you don't keep an unhappy player in the squad because it has an effect on the people that he'll be friendly with within the squad. You know, they, they mm. themselves might become unsettled. It has an effect on the rest of the management team because they can see they're, try, they're constantly trying to cajole him into playing well. And, you know, guys like Klamala, who'd be so willing, mm-hmm. are sitting on the bench just saying, well, what's the point of me being here? Because that guy's no interest at he's jacked it. I'm trying twice as hard as him, but I'm not getting anywhere near the team. But by the same token, because, you know, he has been so good, he's proven. He has proven. And because you know what he can do, I just don't think you can afford to say, you know what, we'll take we'll take thirty million on you go because that that would just <laughs> the the board's sitting with the fans at the moment is already extremely poor. It's also the fact that if you get thirty million as a fan, you know that that thirty million won't be reinvested in Correct. the squad. Some of it Correct. will, but not all of it. So you re- you replace thirty million odds in Edward with three, the aforementioned three million pound check striker, but, for but example. There's Talkie Musa going to Atletico Madrid. I'd mm-hmm. seen. 
Yeah, so we'd get, was it 5% or something of that? Something, whatever it would be. Yeah. So, again, would, would that go directly into a much-needed centre-half or striker? Probably yeah. not. Hard to say. And a big Pedro's pockets, maybe? No doubt, no doubt. So, out with uh, Odds and Edward, obviously he'd be the main uh, talking point in terms of who may leave. Is there anyone else, you know, peripheral otherwise that you think may move on? Guys like Olivia and Cham Cham's would, always would, would come into that There's thinking. There's always around. There's been suggestions. I think West Brom was a suggestion and... and Good luck with that. You've got all the people saying, I'll oh, drive me to the airport and all those funny ones, but... Big Sam, big Sam will turn him yeah. into the player we always thought he'd be in. <laughs> he, he keeps appearing on this podcast for some reason as well. But yeah, and Cham would probably go... And the, the shame of Olivia and Cham is you can clearly see that he's got all the ability going, but he just has not produced. And actually, I wonder if you'd recoup the four-odd million you paid for him. Would you maybe get five-ish? I don't know. No guarantees on that. You know, And he's the kind of guy that should have come in and met the model, come in for four-odd million and gone for 15. Given the ability he's got... That's not going to happen. So that's a field project, in my opinion. I, well, looks a great player. It's clearly a great player. There's a great player in there. Um, unfortunately for us, we've just not seen it come out often enough. There, there's a, a few funny memes about that. I think I've mentioned it on here before about the guy that comes on when you're 2 0 up at Parkhead and the guy that's playing when you're maybe 1 0 down away from home and it's like two completely different players. I would have loved nothing more than for him to have worked out. Um, it's just a shame that it hasn't. But I think you, you probably are at a stage where you, you need to cut your losses. And again, I think it maybe even goes back to if you're going to persevere with the existing management team, I don't think he's someone that they'll get the best out of. If you were talking about going back and looking at games earlier on, if you went back and looked at that Olivia and Cham game, where he just he played Celtic Park and we beat, we beat Rangers 1-0, oh, he scored the goal. He was oh, absolutely oh, was unbelievable. That just looks like a completely different player from what you get now. I don't know whether Cham's one of the type of players that, that needs to play every game or needs to know that he's one of the main men to, to get out of him. And and, and at the moment, he's, he's not one of the, man, the main men. Talking about players that are going out, we have, I was looking at the squad last night, with 35 senior players on the books, uh, six of which are out on loan, at least 29 players. And uh, we're like if 18 are really... Yeah, and there's, there's a lot there, of on the peripheral. There's a lot out on loan, and a lot of our first team squad are loanees as loan, well. Yeah. Uh, just on those six players that are out on loan just now, I'm just going to run through them very quickly. Just a, a quick fire yes or no, if you'd have them back, whether it be now or moving forward. I'm trying not to laugh because it's a shoddy list at best. Uh, we'll start with uh, jumping Jack Henry, who, who actually is making some good headlines in Belgium. Take him back. Uh, no, for me, I watched him. Sorry, if it's just a yes or no. Sorry, I'm, I'm ready <laughs> to go into a, a, a kind of monologue there about I, I watched him right so my, my seat's behind the goals the old Rangers end I, I watched him once a long ball was coming in right you know we were, we were defending I think we were 2-1 up it might have been Dundee we were playing and the, the left back for the opposition was getting ready to launch one and I watched him running back and I saw him turn around and look as to where the attacker was so he turned and watched him and then I watched him actively run away from where the attacker was as the ball was coming in and then look surprised when the guy got in on, and had a shot and goal I, I watched him now that's not to say he might learn, but... I'm not the one going on a complete rant either, but no for Hendry, and the, re and the reason why, the, why is we had an issue with um, centre-halves who weren't aggressive enough and strong enough. That's why we went good Duffy, which never worked, but Hendry doesn't fit that mould. He's a bit that. of, obviously, he came in uh, at Rogers' time, and he's a bit of a Rogers player, isn't he? Yes. He's nice on the ball and yes. all that kind of stuff, but yeah, as an aggressive centre-half, he, he, he may have improved, who knows? A, a council... John Stones. <laughs> okay, so we'll see what Jack Henry, 50-50 uh, there, but a bit undecided. Uh, two, which I think just, I don't know if Celtic pay these guys money, Andrew Goodman and Manny Perez from the MLS. Goodman, Goodman by all accounts, I, I think that's a, a visa issue because they, they haven't played for enough games for the national team. But Goodman, by all accounts, was really impressive 
on the two pre-seasons he's done. He's done two pre-seasons with Celtic mm-hmm. and played really, really well. Yeah, I don't know enough about them to say that they're good, bad, or different. But it just seems that they're just hanging around, doesn't it? They're, they're they're on our books, but they just don't seem that they'll ever come good. And if they if they were that good, would Celtic not have made a special case for them or something? So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll cut through them. Uh, next one is a uh, volleyball and goalie. Champions League star this season, playing playing at Old Trafford and all these uh, kind of areas. Regardless right. of what he done, did you rate him before as a player? No. Any? No. That's three no's. Let's move on. Uh, Marion Schved, another guy with undoubted talent, but seems to be frustrating the life of his current manager. Uh, I think is he in Belgium as well on loan. Yeah, whatever it is. Yep. Um, a guy that's got ability, but his head doesn't seem to be in it. So he's not the kind of guy you want to to bring back into your squad. And last but very much not least, the birthday boy Vacuum Isuf Bio Celtic wished him happy birthday today. Twenty four years of age, currently on loan in League Two uh, with Toulouse. Matthew had mentioned at the start he scored two goals in his debut for Toulouse. And has <laughs> failed to score since. So a bit of a false dawn there. What do you think of Bio? Has he got something, anything, enough? Well, here, here's something. If you're chasing a goal, who would you rather coming off the bench? <laughs> Bio, Klamawa, or Ajay? If you were just going to throw it in the box and lump it, I would say Bio, because he's just a big nuisance, a big target man. Uh, Klamawa would give you industry, but no goals. Ayeti, who knows? Ayeti's the yeah, mystery I'm man for me. Probably Ayeti, but it's a, it's a sort of, you don't know what you're going to get. None like of the a, none, a tallest dwarf competition, that. <laughs> none of the three of them inspire at all. So of that six, there's nobody you're crying out for, you know, bring them back, boys. You know, there's no... Ryan Christie went out and done well on loan. Famously, Callum McGregor went to Notts County when he was younger. But there's nobody really there that you're thinking, well, they could go and do a turn, is there? No, and I think that's that's ultimately the problem. Those, those signings that we make are kind of a bit... Mm-hmm. So in terms of who we bring in or let go, we touched on it last week. Does or should Neil Lennon have any sort of say in that? And I don't know, you know, the, the structure at Celtic Park seems to be that the manager doesn't really get a call on it anyway, regardless of the position. But do you think Lenny has an input? Strachan's to believe, be believed that he has the last say. I think Strachan's quoted as saying that Neil Lennon would have the final say. And obviously he has an inside man in there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and I like Gordon Strachan. I think he speaks a lot of sense. I just fairly believe that though. And I think Gordon Strachan is fairly close to Peter Lowell. Got his son a job, of course, but I just don't know. I don't believe that Neil Lennon has a final say on on what's going on there. I don't. I don't. I don't know. That's, that's my feeling on it. I don't believe that either. And you were talking about the pressure for the management team. Um, I think the pressure Gavin Strachan must feel trying to get a plug point for the charger for his laptop home and away. Oh, I mean, that must be a nightmare. So yeah. So whether Lennon has a say or, or you know who makes the calls, it remains to be seen. So you know, perhaps this is one that we'll touch on first week in February and we'll see who's come and gone. But yeah, just based on how Celtic generally deal. January or, or otherwise, I wouldn't say there's much confidence in this room that they're going to, as you say, Miff pull a rabbit out of the hat. So so that remains to be seen. So in terms of the the month ahead, obviously, um, every game is crucial if there is to be any chance of doing something. So throughout the month of January, we've got Hibs at home, Livy at home, Livy away, Aki's at home, and then a Scottish Cup tie at home to either our Broth or Falkirk at the very end of the month. I suppose it goes without saying, but of those four league games, 12 points from 12 points, surely an absolute must if we have to do anything. It's a must, but it's no guarantee. Well, they are absolutely fine. They won 9 out of 10. Playing like Barcelona. David, 9 out of 10. David Martindale seems to have got something different out of them. So, yeah, and it's funny that we we seem to come up, not not only when teams are in form, we've got them twice when they're in form. So, <laughs> death by another couple of thousand cuts. But, you know what, if you don't beat Livingston, um, you know, home and away, you don't deserve to win league titles either, do you? They have given us trouble. Yeah. the last few times we've played them the, the last time I think was it we beat them 3-2 at home I remember that um, I think a Yeti started from memory 
And actually, if, if you do remember, they had a, a chance in the last few minutes with a header. Do you remember it? If you look back through most of our games this season, been lucky to amass the points that we've amassed. I know, Dundee United, Ayeti, St. Johnson with Griffiths and Clamalla. There's three points that we've picked up here and there that actually were, were very much on a knife edge. Yeah, so I mean, what would what would your hopes be for for those? Well, obviously your hopes would be four ones out of four, right? But do you, would you be confident of getting four ones out of four? No, yeah. no, yeah. no, no. I, 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 the team's too fragile. That's the, that's the, that's why I don't have faith that we can claw back the points deficit on Rangers. It's a combination of Rangers not looking like they're going to drop any points and Celtic not looking like they can go on that, that type of run that we associate with, with them, especially in the kind of January-February period. Um, how often have we beat Levy away? Have we beaten them Another in the past three seasons? Out. We've certainly struggled, as have Rangers at times. You know, they make it difficult, plastic pitch, you know, all the chat. But um, so yeah, we've struggled I, there. I don't, I don't think, same way, we've struggled. Two, two away fixtures we've really struggled at. Ibrox aside, has been Easter Road. And the Tony Macaroni Stadium. <laughs> I, I think last time out, did Tom Rogic score a late equaliser? Yes. Can I salvage a point And Rangers there? could beat home off Hamilton. So yeah, so that would that would obviously be a concern. So the, the Levy game, the home one is on the 20th of January. and Sorry, home one is the 16th. And then a few days later, the 20th is away. So crucial couple of games. What do you think, Kenny? Would you be confident of winning them? I've struggled at home as well this year. It's, it's definitely struggled with, without the crowd there. Um, we should win them. I, I don't, am I confident? No. No. Not even, not even based on first half at Ibrox and the half dozen games before that, and, and the new, newly recharged and refreshed Dubai Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> He's just prodding away, and he's just prodding away. There's I'm, a, you're not going to get any sort of wild explosion here, Tino. Um, for me, I think it's fanciful to think that we can go on a run even for six games where we win six games. That we we will we will draw at least one of those games, in my opinion. I hope, I hope, I am. I dearly hope to be proved wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that, hoping that that's the case. Not at all. I'm just talking about facts based on performance levels this season. Now, I agree with you. First half at Ibrox, absolutely brilliant. But we are now another central defender down since that. The only hope is that Dubai has such an effect on the players that it builds a wee bit of morale. They come back, they go out into games knowing that they're the best team and they play like it. Now, that sounds very simplistic. Play your best team, play your players in form. And hopefully, the best. Yeah. Do you think the players will be feeling confident right now? So, so a, a fairly demoralising one 0 defeat last time out. But that aside, that they were kind of seemingly on the, you know on, on the cusp of th- something. David Turnbull, who's just been announced as December's Player of the Month, Sorrow, you know, buzzing with energy. Uh, Griffiths starting to get back more like himself. Glimpses of Edward. Do you think you know based on the last week or so, the players will be confident at this moment in time? They should be with the way they've been playing. The, the issue is that although how well we played against Rangers, we still lost the game, and I think that might still be in the psyche. Still have so as Math mentioned, still so fragile, and especially when it comes to don't know if they've been working on set pieces out there. But as soon as there's a set piece, as soon as there's a corner against us or a, a free kick from a dangerous area, I'm just I'm hiding under the couch. Livingston are the type of team that can that can punish you from from set pieces certainly. Uh, there's also the added interest with Jack Ross who's been linked with the job so he's got a point to prove against him and it's an, it's an interesting story leading up to that but um, they should be confident performance wise but there's still fragilities at the team and I think they'll feel that tell you one thing they won't be confident if they listen to us will they <laughs> no, I, 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 <laughs> well if they listen to you two uh, um, I will I, you team like, they should get you in team that's what they should I, th- I think and I really do you know be proven uh, otherwise I think Celtic will blow Hibs away and I don't think Hibs are any great shakes at this moment in time and I think Celtic will have regrouped after the result at Ibrox. 
I think generally speaking up until then, they you know they certainly were in good shape. They were on this you know bit of a winning run, and I think they'll be more than comfortable against Tibbs. And I actually think at home against Livy, they should also be of a similar fashion. But obviously, Livy have picked up in recent times. The Livy away is definitely. If I was to bet whether we might drop those those points, Livy away would be the 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 real obvious one for me. We never, in terms of set piece uh, concession. We certainly looked a whole lot more comfy in recent games leading up to Ibrox, but we never really touched on the fact that the one goal we conceded at Ibrox was also from a set piece. Now, don't get me wrong, the defence must have been in turmoil after Beaton went off, but you had... It's also um, a very unlucky goal, you can see. It's extremely unlucky. It was, and then the sending off has nothing to do with the, the goal. Yeah, but you've also got uh, Jeremy Frimpong picking up uh, your man at Aribo who's six foot something, and it just seemed such a horrendous mismatch, regardless of the fact that, you know, it was a wee bit... Right, we're a wee bit of sixties and sevens here, but it's basics in a box. You see, right? Who's picking up the big guys? And you had him. Um, sorry, you had Edward on the post as well, who was ball watching and sort of going to try and win a ball that he was never going to win. And I, again, I think Bar- Barkas was. Poor. I don't know if you agree. I think Barkas was poor. I don't think he shifted his feet. I, I don't. Enough. I don't buy the Barkas thing. I've seen the gifts and the slowdowns and all that stuff. I think that's very harsh. You see the slowdowns. That's very. He's. He's kind of reacted as the ball's been in the air, and it, it looks like he's basically jumped on the spot and dived on the spot. Yeah. But it's almost like he is trying to make that sort of reflex reaction save rather than stretching out a hand like it's going in the top corner. And it looks ridiculous. Slowed down, it looks absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Again, with Barkas, issues lack a presence, I think, rather than technical ability. He, he looks... He, he just doesn't seem to build confidence in the defence. And, and for as good as we were at Ibrox, Kenny um, raised the point, when we spoke last week, that it was possible in Beton's mind that he couldn't let Morelos go one-on-one because of a, a perceived lack of confidence in the, in the keeper. And there, there might very well be something in that, but the problem is there's not a whole shed load of confidence in any of the three keepers that we have. I, I, I may be being harsh on Barkas, but I, I would maybe concede if it was just a one-off, but it happens too often. I think with Barkas, he, he's too stiff. I think the line. funny thing about Barkas is the jury is out all ends up because it's extremely hard to find evidence of him making great saves but also extremely hard to find any great errors he's somewhere in between isn't he he's not done anything particularly brilliant he's not done anything obviously wrong you know th- there's maybe a suggestion that, that he may have been at fault at Ibrox but it's hard to prove he and did, just he somewhere did pass in the, the ball he did pass the ball and he seen Milan centre forward oh they're good players and in fairness even if he did make the save Morelos was in the back post for a tap in as well so I think the, the main issue was the setup and the the man yeah. the one thing that Sorry, I liked Mark, the one thing I liked when Connor Hazard came in and, and he's you know maybe it's shown that he's not quite ready I did like how vocal he was you know, even as a young guy he seemed to be quite commanding of his back line and he seemed to be shouting instructions at any given time that's not what you see from Barkas and there's no excuse for that I understand the language banner but get your basics you know you know push out man on all these kind of you know simple ones first and foremost I, I thought watching the game whilst I'm saying that Barkas doesn't command he's not got a great presence you know just looking out he, he is quite a, a slender guy as well you know whereas Big Foster's the obvious example built a tank his handling on that was really good at Ibrox like he was coming out and claiming the ball you know any time Rangers did put the ball in the box he was coming out and claiming it and he, he looked he looked fairly solid for most of the game at Ibrox it's just that yeah the jury's out jury's still out and I think the disappointing thing for us is having spent so much money on him and we're now into January <laughs> and the jury's still out on him you know that that in itself is probably quite telling he's he's not making enough saves there's also the suggestion that across the board whether it's Barkas or otherwise that Celtic have seriously downgraded in recent years there's no doubt that Barkas is a downgrade on Fraser Foster you then look to the left back and no matter how well Taylor or Laxalt were doing 
they're no Kieran Tierney and we, we know that Tierney has been doing well down south and, and even this weekend they're raving about their Arsenal fans on Twitter saying how did we get this kid for 25 million and uh, you know various other you know high profile pundits talking about you know he's the best Pierce left back Morgan. in the country Piers Morgan aye aye there's another one so but, but you know they're just a couple of very quick examples and maybe it's you know the economic climate but Celtic are definitely going back the way the bigger question of course is whether you've downgraded manager wise from Rodgers to, to Lennon yes my <laughs> <laughs> form yes I think that's agreement in this room um, but you know no, Dembele, has he properly been replaced? Uh, you, you mentioned Mifsibin, uh Edward signed for nine million. I was the same. I was far from convinced because at that time we hadn't seen what we've now seen from him. You know, the winner at Ibrox in that three-two game and the various goals he scored in Europe. We hadn't seen that quality from him. But thankfully, somebody you know within Lennox Town or, or otherwise had seen him in training and obviously thought you know maybe it was a Rogers call, but seen that he had enough quality to to go and become the player he has become. But at the time, I questioned whether he was a serious downgrade on Dembele because all of a sudden, Odson Edward was our, our number nine, our, our main frontman. And it just seems that across the board, we've not quite replaced guys. Stuart Armstrong tearing up at Southampton. Uh, you could argue that, you know, maybe Roberts hasn't been replaced, even with James Forrest being out injured for so long. We've missed James Forrest for over half a season and never really made any moves to replace him. So I don't know where that falls, you know, falls down. Is that is that on the board or, or should Lenny be... You're plugging the gaps elsewhere. I don't know, but it's quite troubling. Well, if you're the manager, surely you're, you know, kind of battering on the door to say, we, we really need reinforcements here. There's a lot at stake this season, and even if you're not going to bring them in immediately, we need to plan for the future because we've got X amount of players that are going to leave and loan, and X amount of players that we're going to empty. The fact that that's not happened is, is what the most, uh, that's the most disconcerting thing for me. And I think if Lennon isn't demanding that, you know, if Lennon's appointment was possibly because he wouldn't demand that. That you know, we're getting we're getting back into that whole Lennon debate again, and I don't, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to just go back down there. Clearly, there's a disconnect in the club between what we actually need and what we're getting. And slowly, like you say, if you go back to Tierney, Tierney was sold last season. Now we've brought in Taylor, who's taking a while to settle, but I actually don't think Taylor's that bad. But again, we've signed somebody that's not that bad. We sold somebody that was excellent. Yeah, there's no. one that we've not touched on. Laxalt has uh, an option to buy. Mm-hmm. Did, did on current form do you, do you go and buy him, buy him? I, th- I think the agent came out and said that it was just got to be alone that he didn't, he didn't want to come permanently I don't know I mean if he is available would you would you break the bank for him would you put 6 million out for him I think hey. it cost 12 is that right Milan signed him for 12-ish would I? I'd probably like to see him up to the end of the season before I made that decision he's looked good very good at times but erratic at others so I would like to probably yeah. just see a wee bit more of him but I'd, I don't to be honest I don't have any major issues with Axel other than possibly his decision making in terms of his final pass and when he looks to pass the ball sometimes he looks to go long when nobody's looking for it or you know he tries to play intricate passes and as Anton mentioned he, he loses the ball in quite peculiar places as well where <laughs> you don't want a, a full back losing the ball yeah he, he came in at the time and he was a probably the best performer on a poor team yep. we were right in the midst of that two wins in 12 or whatever it was and people got quite excited because they thought well at least this kid's got something to offer you know during quite a, a gloomy time for the club since then he, he does seem to have gone backwards uh, you know and and that's obviously why Lenny has reintroduced Greg Taylor and now it's a bit of a you could toss a coin over which one of the two starts uh, in the next few games for example and it'll be interesting to see I think as well as much as or as well as we played at Ibrox first half especially him and Frimpong Lax Allen Frimpong were the the kind of question marks as to yeah you know it's all well and good going and playing well but you then need to make it count. And the onus was on the two to get their deliveries into Edward and Griffiths, and they, they didn't do it. They couldn't do it. That, that's the very obvious thing about both of them, is that their delivery, from Pong and Laxalt, their delivery's not 
where it needs to be, um, especially when such an onus is on the, the fullbacks to, to provide something. It's just that I, I think that also ties in with the issues we've had in the wide areas. So much emphasis is on the fullbacks. You know, you've mentioned it before about Taylor being a good left back, but then being asked to be a left wing back and a creator when that's not really something he's ever ever done before. So much onus is on the fullbacks to create because of the system that we play, because we don't have those wide players, because the likes of Christie and uh, McGregor like to come in inside and play almost like an inside uh, forward rather than a, a genuine wide midfielder or winger. So surely, the, you know, the backroom team and the management team are looking at games and saying, right, clearly we need a wide man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That aside, another big question this season, uh, you know, for much of the season has centred around Scott Brown and the use of Scott Brown. Obviously, you know, club captain, hugely influential figure in the dressing room. He's not played much football at all recently. And, you know, Lenny stuck with the midfield that had been doing the job uh, against Rangers last time out. How do you see uh, Scott Brown being used, Kenny, for the second half of the season? How should he be used? Sparingly, I think. I think the the, the turn, I think it was a huge turning point, Scott Brown not starting at Ibrox. I think it's, a, it's one thing not to play against Hamilton and... Dundee United. Um, I think it's a, a totally different thing entirely to, to not play against Rangers, especially when he has so been so pivotal in those games. And I think that marks the sort of the real turning point in, in Scott Brown's career, where it's now he is going to be used sparingly. I've seen some suggestions and comments that he might be brought in as a coach uh, from next year. Again, that all depends on who comes in as the manager. But I think he still has a, an influence on the squad. Miff has mentioned before, maybe that influence is dwindling slightly. I still think he's a, a big figurehead in there. And um, I think he's, he is important in, in terms of the dressing room, but his influence on the park is, is not as big as what it was. I mean, I, I've not read the article in full, but obviously Chris Common, uh, sorry, Chris Sutton has come out uh, in the last 24 hours or so and said that Brown should be offered a new deal. And I think the premise is based on the fact that he's still influential, but maybe, you know, less so, as you say, Ken, on a, on a playing uh, aspect. For, you know, every player you, you see, whether it's, you know, speaking officially to, you know, Celtic, you know, in-house media team or otherwise, they always mention Bruni as such a strong leader and how he's helped them. Turnbull is the most recent, so I think he was, he was making some comments after winning December Player of the Month and Turnbull was saying how important Scott Brown's been for him. And every player at some point, you could dig out, almost every player in the squad at some point has has really, really praised Scott Brown in terms of what he brings, how, how he welcomes guys into the club and how important he is there. And my hope would be that we now have him as mostly on the bench, but not always, but certainly always around. Always around the squad, always in the dressing room and always, you know, getting the guys motivated and and, and supporting them where they can. What do you think on that, Muff? That, that sums it up for me, Tino. I, I think it's a very Scottish thing to be completely black and white. You're either all in or you're all, oh, well, he's no playing, get rid of him. I don't think MD's actually saying that. I think the frustration was coming over. He was playing every game, mm-hmm. every game, every single game, starting every single game, when clearly the squad needed to be rotated. Yeah. It's no Scott Brown's fault that he gets played every game by the manager. No, it's not. I've said this before. If you ask Scott Brown to play eight days a week, he would. You know, he's that kind of guy and he's he's that... He, he has to be managed. Motivated. He has yeah. to be managed. And that that's... I think that's all we're asking for. Give Scott Brown a new deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I want Scott Brown around the club in the squad. But do I want him starting every game? A League Cup game? A Europa League game? You know, the next league game that was that's played like 72 hours later? No, no, I don't want that. And that's what we were getting for, you know, four solid months. There were some really obvious ones. So I, we mentioned before, for example, the time we played Livingston towards the start of the season at home. Surely that is a time where you say to Scott Brown, take the afternoon off. We're going to slot in David Turnbull or in Cham at the time or whoever, you know, and, and Turnbull's the man with the shirt now and rightly so. But at the time, you wouldn't have blinked if Cham had started ahead of Scott Brown. And as you say, 
if had he featured maybe here and there and stuff, you'd say that's fine. But it was every single game and almost every single minute of every single game. And he's a fit, fit guy. But at 35, that was unfair on him and unfair on his body. That certainly falls on Lenny. That you know We can't point that one towards the board and Peter Lowell because Lenny, I would like to think, has full control, full cap long show over who starts games and who comes off and whatever. And I think Lenny, you know, managers obviously trust their generals and the guys that have done it for them before. But Scott Brown was the guy that was doing it for Lenny first time around, you know, 2012 and 13 and all that stuff. And you just need to be fair to the guy. And I think we have been unfair to him. There was a game we were struggling. I think it might have been St. Johnson. It was nothing each and, and Scott Brown came on with 15 minutes to go and we ended up winning 2-0. And at, at that point, yeah. it almost seemed like Lenny came out and it was like uh, it was justified for the way he was managing him at that point. The funny thing is, Lenny seen that as justification for, see, look what happens when I leave him out. Yep. Now that I've brought him in, I need to start him again. Why not just say, he came on, he was really influential in the last 15 minutes. I can use him like that moving forward rather than saying, oh, I need to get him back it in. It should have been a justification the other way he's, for using him yeah, that way. He's pushed it the other way. But also, I think Turnbull did start that game and then was taking off the good chance with Heather, I think, that he missed. MD that's played any sort of football at any level knows you need a run of games. Turnbull played that game and then didn't appear for about another two months. Yeah. And that, one game you, and can't, you can't give somebody a fair crack at the whip by using them in that manner. Mm -hmm. You need to give guys, you know, some time to bed into the squad and maybe if it's two starts, three starts in a row, but again, it all comes back to the whole 10 thing and I just don't think Lennon's, Lennon's just been so preoccupied with the whole pressure of that that he's felt like he's had to go back to those people that he trusts. I, I get that. I get that. But it had went... It was obvious even before we started dropping the points that we did, you know, performance levels were such that I think it merited a change that was too late in come. Yeah, I think, you know, the 10 season has potential. I don't want to say it's a season too far for Scott Brown because he's already played plenty of games and he, and, he, and he will continue to be influential. But I think Lenny would have been so nervous about saying, how can I possibly drop my skipper in the 10 in a row season? I think he's won something like 23 trophies for Celtic, which is incredible. How can you possibly drop this guy? And I suppose to an extent, Lenny might have been damned if you do, damned if you don't, because many of us thought he should have dropped Scott Brown, but the cries had he dropped him and then not won those games anyway would have been horrendous. Um, no, I, I accept that. Mm -hmm. I accept that. So on that note, so obviously, you know, we've covered Brown there. And the the alternative and the very pleasing alternative is David Turnbull at this moment in time. How important do we feel him and also Ishmael Soro will be in the, the second half of the season? Well, the, those are the guys that are going to be Celtic players when this season's finished them you know your planning has to be around them they're going to be in the team find a, a formation a system that works with them in the team you've probably a fair idea of the players that won't be there next season already so just start working towards that, that, that that's how I see the rest of the season playing out hopefully we do a bit of business in this window but as we've already <laughs> discussed maybe seems unlikely we're going to do the level of business that we as a fan base would like to see but you know Stick with the players that you know are going to be your players for next season and, and look to get them in, in the squad, or sorry, in the, in the starting 11 and find a way of getting them, getting them prepped and ready to go next season if we don't go on Tino's um, wonderful mega run that we're going to go on to the 10. Tino's magical mystery 10 uh -huh. tour. Uh, Kenny, what do you think? So, uh, you know, if uh, Turnbull and Soro were to be your, your main central midfield pairing, certainly for the remainder of this season and into any qualifiers for next season Champions League or otherwise would you be happy with that as a pairing you think they're good enough right now or are they just potential right now no I think they've shown that they, they've come in and they've, they've done it since they've come in um, Turnbull's undroppable I think at the moment we've, we've covered that but um, in terms of his his um, set pieces his overall play is, is very positive and, and Sorrow's energy uh, it's just you don't think you could take that out at the moment there's, there's, a, there's a difference between managing the likes of you know, Stephen Welsh who's very raw and hazard 
like we've mentioned, I think these guys are read, are, are ready made to go in, right into the team and be starting eleven. And, and, and there, there's the difference between uh, Welsh's and Hendersons and, and Hazards. To me, I think Tumble and Sorwa are, are ready to, to go. I think you're right, and there's not a huge difference age wise between them, and that's the interesting thing. Different players develop at different times. You know, and we, we've spoken about project players, but I would say David Turnbull. Well, Hazard, Hazard's 22, goalie's quite a unique position, you know, granted, but Welsh, maybe 20 years of age, something like that, 19, 20. These guys are all much of the same age, but Turnbull's got a very mature head on his young sho shoulders, I would say, and he's shown that he's not phased by anything, he wasn't phased by going to Ibrox, he's not been phased by, you know, going out and playing games against, you know, Lille and different European opposition, and I think some guys just are ready and they've got a different mindset. I think the, the one thing about Turnbull is, though, he's, he's played... Yeah, with Motherwell, he's played, played a lot of football. Yeah. SPL mm -hmm. football, Sorrow played in the was it really league. Thanks. So. Played in the, he was obviously featuring fairly heavily for the team that, that he left. So you know th those guys have played first team games, whereas the likes of Welsh Henderson. I think Henderson went to Ross County. Didn't he play played very much? Ten games or something. Didn't he play very much? But you know, he, he seem, there seems to be something about him in a Celtic strip, and that can happen sometimes. The, the guys he does seem to have that bit of, bit of spark about him that would suggest to me he's worth. I take the point that different players develop at, at different stages, but I think the reason you're seeing what you're seeing for Turnbull is just because of the amount of, amount of first team action that he's, that he's had, and again, just makes it all the more baffling. He didn't play more regularly until yeah. the point where it was forced, almost forced upon the yeah. match. I think it also just shows you generally in football, you know, even Celtic aside for a moment, how important it is for that development that guys just get game time and, you know, there's been many debates about the fact that there's no real reserve league in this day and age. It's development squad and it's it's almost like a season of friendlies for these guys. And, you know, Celtic and Rangers will get the, you know, the, the best of the bunch, you know, certainly across central Scotland, if not the whole country. And then they go and face other academies, which aren't really a challenge, challenge for them. And how does that compare to, you know, back in the 80s and 90s when guys would come through reserves and have to play against full-blown professionals Fully developed, you know, men, you know, physical guys who are going to give them a challenge, and that would really prepare them well. Now you've got these guys who, on a Monday afternoon sometimes find themselves playing for the development squad down at Capelo. How can you expect them to go from that into first team football, if not European football? It's not a great grounding, and what you're now finding for Celtic, and I suppose Rangers face the same challenges that time after time they'll catch young kids who they they realise are, are serious talents, but they then stagnate, they don't develop, and lo and behold, they get a a wee sub appearance here and there and it's not enough myth you know you can't get the odd run out off the bench and expect guys then to just you know turn it on full time and lo and behold these guys move on from Celtic some of them go to the championship or Ross County or St Mirren and that's it for them and it's just something's broken there isn't it and I don't know if that's a Celtic problem or a Scottish football problem but it doesn't work and the development of a lot of these young guys is seriously restricted where is the motivation to work harder you know, and, and that's a, a social thing as much as anything else where, generally speaking, you aspire to, to do more and to be more, but to, to, to achieve that, you need to work harder in life. And when these guys get all these things too much too soon, where is the motivator there? You, know? you touched on it there. It's definitely a, a wider societal issue. And as all the social media um, limelight that comes with these young guys who are making it and then, you know, they've got everything at their fingertips and it, it, as you say, it sort of removes that motivation to go on and, and, and kick on. Dembele's another one who's... Uh, Karamoko. Yes, Karamoko Dembele seems to have sort of faded away and I, 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 as, as I'm sure every fan did have big hopes for him. Um, read that there might be some 
uh, attitude issues. I don't know if, I don't know if what, there's any truth uh, in that. It's a real mystery and it's a real disappointment because we've known about uh, Karamoko Dembele since he was 13, 14. He's been at the club for such a long time, but there was such high hopes. And remember, I think he came on at Capelo, ironically, in a reserve game, I, I think, under Tommy McIntyre. And at that point, we thought, geez, this kid must be something really special. And it's not transpired, and, and it's maybe one for another day, but here's hoping he will come through. I, I suppose, you know, the kind of things we're speaking about just now, we'll maybe need to save these for our special Saving Scottish Football spin-off show, so we'll, we'll catch that <laughs> another time. But just to bring it back to Celtic, just as we wrap up today's show, show Maff, what's your, your general feeling at the moment? What's your hopes moving forward? And I know you're not as hopeful as me um, about, you know, saving this season, but what, what's your hopes in the coming weeks? I think all you can hope for is that they come back recharged, refreshed, and... Like you, I think you mentioned potentially blown hubs away. You know, if they, if they could come back, me. if they could come back and just do that to every team in the league for nineteen games, then I'd I'd be delighted at that. Um, in the event that that doesn't happen, um, I think all I can hope for is a high level of performance. Uh, results haven't been great, but also being honest, they've not really been great to to watch either at times. I would just like to see a bit more intensity in our play over a prolonged period of time, and us consistently putting our best team out in the park, players playing on merit based on their performances. If that happens, I'll be happy enough. But to, to wrap that up, I am still absolutely aghast at the fact that Lennon's still the manager. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that next episode. But yes, yeah, it's, it's it's still a serious question for many, and justifiably so. What about yourself, Kenny? What do you think? What's your hopes for the next few weeks? I'd, I've probably been guilty of being too negative uh, as well, um, maybe moaning too much. But I, I think uh, you take the, the second half of the Rangers game aside, you look at the last four games prior to the Rangers game and the first half, signs were good that we're, we're turning a corner. So all, all I can hope is that that continues. Um, Getting back on board my positivity train, Kenny, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so with 2021 now well underway, what does the second half of the season have in store for Celtic and what players will be tasked with delivering it? A win against Hibs on Monday night would be a good start, but is 18 straight wins on the bounce after that just a bit too much to ask for? Probably, but we'll see. My thanks as always to Miff and to Kenny for joining us on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange and thanks as always to you for listening and we'll see you again next time. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts.